0: Welcome to Questions That Matter, a podcast of the C.S. Lewis Institute. I'm your host, Randy Newman, and I am uh, just so, I've been looking forward to so much having this conversation with Dan Strange about his book, Making Faith Magnetic. Uh, Dan, all the way over in the UK, in the London area, welcome to Questions That Matter.
1: Yeah, it's great to be with you. Great to be with you, Randy. And uh, yeah, looking forward to our chat now.
0: Let me tell our listeners, uh, Dan is on the faculty at Oak Hill Theological College. He's a tutor in culture, religion and public theology. Uh, He is the director of Crosslands Forum, a center for cultural engagement and missional innovation. He's written several books. Um, we're going to discuss this book today, making faith magnetic. But Dan, how about just for starters? Tell us a little bit more about the the Crosslands Forum. What it, what is that about, and what kind of things do you do?
1: Yeah, so um, so um, yeah, in, so in the last year, I've I've actually left Oak Hill, and I'm now full time director at Crosslands Forum. So Crosslands Forum came out of um, a partnership between Oak Hill College, where I was the director of the seminary there in North London, and Acts Twenty Nine, a church planting network. And Crossland's Forum is uh, a centre to try and encourage Christians and churches to think about cultural engagement and what that might mean for uh, mission. Uh, my background is as a as a, a theologian, but more and more I've been involved in teaching on culture and religion and missiology. Um, so this is a um, a kind of a, a centre to help do research and uh, make relationships and provide resources for Christians to really engage with the culture wherever they are. Um, and so that's that's part of Crossland's training.
0: Oh, great. That's great. Well, there's a lot of resonance there uh, with the C.S. Lewis Institute where I serve. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, uh, it will be no surprise that I I just uh, loved your book and was highlighting all sorts of things. Um, I really like the part where you talked about asking questions. I know that yes. was <laughs> shameless, yeah. shameless self-promotion yeah. on my part. Sorry. Um, but so, tell us about this. Y- your your title is "Making Faith Magnetic," and then um, the subtitle. I, I got to get this right. Um, uh, five hidden themes our culture can't stop talking about, and how to connect them to Christ. So, um, what what are some of these? Or if you want to go for all five, what what are these themes? What yeah. Number one, what are, what are they? Why are they hidden? Uh, and then, and, and and yet, why is it that we can't seem to stop talking about yeah. these things?
1: Well, the book the book came out of um, a kind of a, a, a question that I, I I've had is how do we get traction in my context in the UK? How do we get traction to talk about Jesus with people who are living their lives and don't seem to have any interest in anything that we want to say? And it was important that we uh, that we. I try in the book to establish a theological foundation for this to say that all human beings, if they're made in God's image, they're suppressing the truth. They're substituting the truth with idolatry. That's what Romans one tells us. Mm-hmm. But we don't lose our religiosity. I mean, Paul said in Athens, didn't he? People of Athens, I see you're very religious. Yeah, and that yeah. word, which only appears in that form once, is really encapsulates all human beings. People are asking questions now. They may be um, looking for certain things differently than they did 50 or 100 years ago.
0: Mm-hmm. But the book
1: is mm-hmm. arguing that at the end of the day, all human beings ask very similar questions. And this is based upon the work of a, um, a missiologist, a Dutch thinker called J.H. Bavink, who's the nephew of a very famous theologian called Herman Bavink. J.H. was a missionary in um, Indonesia. And he looked at the world religions and he said, look, they're saying different things, um, uh, but people seem to ask the same questions. And he calls mm. these magnetic points. Uh-huh. It's, not that, it's not that people consciously think about these things, but our lives are answering out these points. And he, um, he bases it all, and I deal with this in the book, in um, an exposition of uh, Romans one, God's eternal power and divine nature are, are, are revealed. So these five questions or magnetic points in the book, um, what I try to do in uh, Bavink was in Indonesia. I'm in, uh, in in England, slightly different context at different times. But mm-hmm. I think the same questions we see um, that people live out all the time. So um, there, 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 there are five magnetic points. There's um totality, is there a way to connect? We we want as human beings to belong to something, someone, some cause. We, we struggle between feeling, are we insignificant in the world or are we significant? We can't quite decide. And that Ooh. comes out in all kinds of different ways. Now, if you're um, in a Muslim context or a Buddhist context, there'd be a particular form. What does it mean for your average secular Brit or North American? Um, I talk about what it means, whether it's kind of, lgbtq parades or comic con or sports we all want this sense of belonging this idea of totality so that's the first magnetic point then there's a norm is there a way to live we all have rules we all have standards even those cultures that want to go against the norm they still have their own rules of engagement and i deal with that in the book so we all have norms or rules the question is how do we decide where those norms come from? Who makes the yeah, norms?
0: Right, and right. The so third we have, one is, if I can, let me, let me just jump in, because, yeah. um, because I want to, and it's my podcast, ha-ha. Um, uh, something tells me that our engineer will not edit that line out, and that I'll have to be apologizing it for a long time, especially to my wife. But so um, so they're already asking some of these questions, and so we want to ask them as well and say, yes, that's a that's a good question to ask. But then we want to ask the question behind the question. So if they're already yes. asking and wondering, are there norms and why is it that we do have right and wrong as a clue to the yeah, meaning yeah, yeah. of the universe, as C.S. Lewis said, well, then we ask the question behind the question of, Where'd that come from? Why, why are those rules? Yes.
1: And, and it might be Randy that we even have to, I'm not even sure sometimes people are asking the question. The point is their lives are an answer to the question.
0: Yes. Remember that yeah.
1: passage in um, uh, uh, Isaiah where Isaiah says about the person who's kind of making the idol and then using it to make their, 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 their dinner. And they, the, the key mm-hmm. verse there, you know, no one stops to think our job, I think is. Uh, as Christians as as Christian witnesses disciples evangelists however you want to call us is to help people to stop and think and oh, actually so
0: good that's and, so good thank uh, you for saying that
1: and actually maybe we have to do a bit of excavation work to get people to ask the question mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. what's the question behind the question but the yeah. point is is the encouragement to know that people are people's lives, the, their hopes, desires, dreams, the things that they decide upon in their lives, these are answering these questions already. And what this, these magnetic points maybe give us a framework to get some traction, to understand them, and then to engage them with, with the gospel in the way that we answer these magnetic points.
0: Yeah. You know... Um... Uh, uh, quite often, when I'm doing uh, training in evangelism, I, I try to say, "Now, here's here's a good word to throw out." And and I've said this a bunch of times. Of, well, you know, a good word to throw out is maybe. Um, somebody says something. Well, maybe there might be something to that. Well, I just thought here's another word that could be really helpful in our pre-evangelistic conversations, and it's the word "huh." <laughs> yeah, someone yeah. someone says something like, you know, I just, you know, I just, I, I think, I, I I don't know, this seems like s- such a beautiful day. Huh? It is. Uh, like, I, I wonder, I, I wonder why that strikes us as such a big thing, because it is a big thing. Yeah. And yeah. and again, it's, it's trying to uh, connect and find agreement before we start showing the disagreement, I, I think a lot yeah. of Christians. I don't know if this is the case in the UK. I think this is common in the US. We we want to emphasize what we don't have in common, yeah. and we have to get to that eventually. But but starting with, huh? That's yeah. I I I think you're onto something.
1: Yes, and these magnetic anyway, points give us these magnetic points give us these broad categories that give us the traction that we might need. So yeah, there's totality, there's norm, there's deliverance. Yes, please, I
0: interrupted you, I'm sorry, but no, that's let's fine, go that's on fine. For three, four, and five.
1: There's deliverance. Um is there a way out? And this is a common mm. meaning. People are looking for they know the world isn't isn't as it should be. The mm. question is um what's the problem and then is there a solution and i don't just mm-hmm. mean people questioning um like big questions of deliverance like death or it can be how do i get how do i find deliverance to get through the day it might be yeah. an, another yeah. drink another fix uh, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. having an argument these are all mini deliverances that people are looking for and then yeah. the fourth one is destiny um is there a way we control this is my f- favorite one bavink has this great line he says that we both think that we lead our lives and we undergo our lives sometimes we think we're the masters of our own destiny we can do what we want to other times we think we're just a pawn in a big game of chess we're just a puppet on a string and mm. we kind of flip-flop between those two things and without christ we can't we can never work out are we in control or are we being controlled and I think mm. that's a really rich one for our modern contemporary society. And then the final magnetic point, the super magnetic point, I suppose, is, um, is there a way beyond? As we talk about totality and norm and deliverance and destiny, um, we have to ask the question, uh, is there is there a reality beyond reality? It's not simply... It, well, we believe it's God, but really, just thinking is there is there transcendence? Are, are we just kind of was John Lennon right, above us is his only sky,
0: yeah. or is
1: there something or someone that gives us connection, that gives us the rules, that gives yeah. us deliverance, that that helps us to see are we in control or not? And that, and I suppose that's the super magnetic point. So that that's the kind of the general framework. And I'm yeah, I'm arguing that all human beings made in God's image. Suppress the truth, are still answering these questions in the way that they live, and that's our way in to be able to say something about Christ.
0: Oh yes, this is so good. Um, by the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, put you on the spot here while we're recording. Um Well, I'm not gonna ask this as a question. I, I'm I'm I, I'm sorry, I don't know how to do this. My my Jewish upbringing right now is 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 wanting to in, inflict guilt on you, Dan. You need to write an evangelistic book with your (laughs) ideas. No, I really mean it. Uh, Your ideas are so good. This book that you've written, it is definitely for Christians. It's these themes that people can't stop talking about and how to connect them to Christ. So the second part of your book is so helpful with how to connect them to Christ. But I I don't want to guilt you into it, but I I, I do want to encourage you. I, I think this is Uh, Writing about these five themes could be a really great short book Mm. for us to give to our thoughtful, inquisitive, non-Christian friends. So, um, and um, and anyway, so well. Here, wait. (laughs) Let's 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 put it this way. Um, um, Please write it um cuz or 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 i'm going to write it and steal all your ideas and, uh, you write a long acknowledgement section i really owe the whole idea to this book to dan strange but i'm not going to share the royalties with him anyway sorry um all right so so you we're these are things that people are they're, they're either asking them outright or they they've suppressed them but they're answering them or they're trying yes. to answer them you say here that uh, western culture today is not disenchanted but rather differently enchanted I thought that was such a good insight tell say more about that
1: yeah so within the sociology of religion there's a big discussion between sociologists of religion who say that in the west especially we're disenchanted we become immune to transcendence and there's um and i suppose some people like charles taylor the philosopher would be one person like that who wrote this big book uh, a secular age and then rodney stark is another guy uh, Baylor, and he argues no, people are as, as religious as they they ever were, they just express it in different ways. Now, mm-hmm. I think biblically speaking both are right, and I think um, yes, scientism what you might call the idea that above us is only sky has been quite an, in, an influential worldview but a lot of the qualitative surveys that go on, there was a big survey called Exploring Unbelief which was looking at unbelief in five con- continents of, across the globe and it was saying just because people are atheists or agnostic, agnostics they still they still believe in meaning and purpose.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: yeah. I, I think this idea that we're not disenchanted or enchanted, but rather we're differently enchanted. But again, it's this idea, you know, as Paul says to the Athenians, people of Athens, I see you're very religious. Yeah, they've got this unknown god. They had all these other. World views, but they're hedging their bets. They're saying there might be this. So this this idea that we are, as human beings, we're always worshippers. We're, we're always focusing on a particular goal. We have hopes, dreams, and desires. And so in in the book, I, I'm trying to explore that and it's trying to give people encouragement that there's always a way in because we are religious beings made for worship and we can never totally suppress that. Because Romans 1 says that we are without excuse. We know. um, And yet we don't know. And that's the the messiness of humanity that I think the magnetic points capture that that really well.
0: I regularly talk about uh, all of the resources that we put together at the C.S. Lewis Institute. I want to highlight one right now. Uh, It's our Keeping the Faith, and it is a whole library and collection of resources for you, parents and grandparents. It's a whole entire program with courses and materials uh, that have been developed to equip you, parents and grandparents and other caring adults, for intentional discipleship of the children that God has placed in your life. And um, uh, this, we've got videos, we've got articles, we've got study courses. Uh, this is one of the things we've, we've made as a major emphasis on our newly designed, award-winning, Uh, website and I really want to encourage you to check it out and even if you are not um, a parent um, that you'll check it out and recommend it to the parents that you know or perhaps use it at your church in Sunday school there it's a wealth of things uh, resources for uh, equipping the next generation of disciples you know, um, uh, I, I, I think this is such an important point. Um, um, uh, I think I've said this several times on, on several podcasts, uh, and, and I word it differently, but one of the ways I want to say it is that, um, worship or faith is inevitable. It's not optional. Ev- everybody worships, everybody takes certain things by faith. Um, You know, I've had this long conversation with a friend of mine who's an atheist, and he wanted me to read a book by another atheist very much from a scientific point of view. And so I read it. We're going to get together and discuss it in a few days. And uh, and I read it, and on one level I was pretty frustrated, but on the other hand, I I was struck with how often this very scientific, strongly atheist guy who argues against any kind of belief in God or any supernatural – but then he makes these statements that are amazingly profoundly faith based statements yeah. that yeah. are not scientific statements here yeah. let me just um he he tells about you know his search for for um he, he really believes that life has meaning, but he cannot prove it rationally uh logically, philosophically, or scientifically. but then toward the end of the book, he said. Through some unconscious process of recalibration, I returned to my basic attitude that all is as it should be. And I thought, wow, that's, that's got to be one of the most faith-filled statements I've ever read. And yeah. um, so that's going to be one of my talking points with my friend there other, I said, D- do you believe that, that all things yeah. are as they should be? Now, again, it's a faith position. Yeah. And and I love that you keep going back to Paul's starting point in in uh, Athens. I see that you're very religious. Do, do you think, I, I, I wonder, do, how do you think they responded when he said that? Because I imagine some of them thought, oh, no, 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 we're not religious. We're the rational intellectual ones. Yeah. But Paul was trying to say, we're all religious. We all have certain assumptions that we can't prove, but we adhere to them and hang on to them by faith. You yeah, think that's- I, I
1: think it's a very cleverly closed, um, chosen term because I think it would pique the interests of these intellectuals. Remember, I mean, the context is crucial. Paul's been talking about Jesus and the resurrection and they say, we don't understand what you're talking about. You're a babbler, literally you're a seed picker. And yeah. I think, I'm, I, think I, I know that you'd agree with this, Randy, that the need for what we might call pre-evangelism or worldview setting is so important. If we just start Mm -hmm. talking about Jesus and the resurrection, people don't understand what what we're talking about. That Judeo-Christian framework is crumbling. So what Paul does, he has to kind of, what I call, do a run-up and a run-through. Yeah, you say that. I like that. He steps back and he has to paint the picture into which Jesus and the resurrection makes sense. And so I think that idea of of religion, of, of being religious. Now, of course, it's not that we use that word with people. If you say to an atheist, you're religious, they could get very annoyed. But theologically, this is what go- people have ultimate commitments. They have commitments. Yeah. They in, in, even using the word faith might be a little they might irritate yeah. them. But people do have commitments. and they And if you trace it back, they have ultimate commitments, which you're right, are very faith based. And I think we need to be able to push people. You know, where 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 is your friend getting their idea of norms from, or this idea that the world is as it should be? I mean, yeah, these these are very religious statements, and we can't be the only ones who are seen to be irrational in that way. We need to show that they are faith based. The the issue is that we have a you know we have a, a solid foundation on which to justify those beliefs.
0: Yeah. All right. So th- so this is very helpful. So so you're right. Religious. It's probably too explosive of a term, and even faith. So, what did you? What did you say? Yeah, ultimate I think sometimes yeah, something like
1: commit um, commitments, or yeah, ultimate commitments to something. Yeah, I think that's a good if phrase. You, if you keep that's asking the word. question, why, why, where do you get that from? I think you, everyone comes back to a, a place where they just have to say, "Well, that's that. That's what. That's what it is." Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that's quite helpful. I think that that we try and do that um and then that gets to a kind of a level playing field in some ways and i think we yes. we need to be doing that
0: yeah and and to be able to say listen i uh, we all have ultimate commitments we all do we all have to hang on to something so it's, it's not bad that you've you've come to 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 have to have some ultimate commitment but let's compare our two ultimate commitments yeah yeah and, and, and i think it, which, yeah, one, yeah. which yeah. one connects to reality better
1: yes and the magnetic points is really just a recognition that as we we can't escape our human beingness and our human beingness oh, yeah. always asks yeah. these questions and in mm. some ways again yeah we're on the level playing field we're all asking these same questions the question is becomes who or what is the one that's going to give us totality and a norm and deliverance and destiny Um, Is there a reality beyond the reality? And of course, our answer to that is, of course, it's the Lord Jesus. It's the Christian worldview that answers this wonderfully.
0: Um, So uh, uh, I I love that you you shift in the book from talking about these five magnetic uh, points to now. How do we connect these points to the gospel? And you say the gospel of Jesus both connects with and wonderfully answers these magnetic points intellectually emotionally holistically but it does so with answers that confront yes. our idolatrous wrong answers yeah um i think you call this um subversive fulfillment yeah which is that's a really really important concept and yes. i want our listeners to get it but yeah. but they don't have to know they don't have to know that term, subversive no, fulfillment. No, Although no, you no, probably no. want them to, but but what does it mean? So,
1: so the hinge here, and I think this is helpful in terms of a biblical passage. Is this passage in one Corinthians one? The cross. The, Jesus says that the message of the cross is foolishness, and mm. we always need to understand that when we present the gospel um, to a um, a worldview that doesn't believe in Christ or puts other things ahead of Christ, what the Bible calls I- idolatry. The, the gospel message is a is a is a is a contradiction to that Christ crucified is foolishness to the world. But that passage also talks about two different groups, Jews and Greeks. They're different ethnic groups. They're both looking for different things. For Jews, it was power. For Greeks, it was wisdom. Now, if we just preach a bland message of Christ crucified, why does Paul bother making these distinctions between two Mm, ethnic
0: groups? But what he
1: does in the passage is he says, yes, the cross is foolishness to both of those groups, but to those who have been saved, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, sometimes Mm. evangelicals are a bit worried them saying, oh, this is like a felt needs gospel. You mean Jews are looking for power and Jesus is power? Greeks are looking for wisdom, and and Jesus is wisdom. Yes, but in precisely the opposite way that they expected.
0: Power is not a crucified
1: Messiah. Wisdom is not a crucified Messiah. Mm. So what the gospel does at the same time Mm. is both confronts. There has to be repentance. At the end of that Acts 17 passage, Paul says, you need to turn around, you need to repent. And Paul is provoked by idolatry. That's got him started there in the first place. And yet there's always connection. He wanders around the objects of worship in Athens and he focuses on the unknown God. Now, the unknown God isn't Jesus in a straightforward way. So there has to be a subversion, but there's also a fulfillment. And the the challenge is we're not in first century Athens. Um, I'm in England. You're in the US. Someone's going to be Christians are going to be in Africa or Malaysia. Where are the objects of worship and how does Mm. the gospel in your particular context both subvert and fulfill? How does it confront and connect at the same time? And in my experience, some Christians have been great at the connection, less good at the confrontation. Others Mm. have been great Mm. at the confrontation, less good at the connection. And I think Paul models in both Acts and 1 Corinthians and in fact, the whole Bible, this idea of subversive fulfillment, um, so that that's a key theological context. And what I tried to do in the book, then, is to say, how is Jesus the subversive fulfillment of the magnetic points? How How is Jesus the way that we connect? How is mm. Jesus the one who gives us the norm? How is Jesus and the gospel true deliverance? How is the gospel tells us that we are that God is sovereign and in control. And yet we still have responsibility. How do we deal with f- fate and freedom? And the gospel deals with that. And then how is Jesus the higher power? He's the way, the truth and the life. So it's sh- the, the the book is trying to say that G- the gospel is the answer to all of these things. Jesus is the answer to all of these things. But in a very kind of contextual way, rather than just a generic, you know, God made you, you've sinned, you need to turn. It's how in these magnetic points that everyone is living out, how is Jesus? How does Jesus expose those in our hearts? Um, and how do we turn, help people turn from those crack cisterns, as it says in Jeremiah 2, to the fount of living water? And there's always a connection, mm. but there has to be repentance.
0: Oh, I love this, Dan. I love this. And, and so, so it, the gospel both subverts and fulfills. It subverts the way you're trying to get this thing answered, yes. but it fulfills by giving the right answer. You yes. know, at, um, at at the, well, uh, the, you have a forward in your book written by Tim Keller. I was so encouraged by that. And I've heard Keller say on a number of occasions that a lot of our gospel conversations can flow as um, yes, but no, but yes. <laughs> yes. And it's, Um, Yes, you're asking the right question. Yes, we are made to connect and to have intimacy. But no, you're not going to find that in another human person. And you're not going to find that in sexual uh, escapades or whatever. But yes, there is a fulfillment that can be found.
1: And 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 I think it's also, and with that, there has to be, and again, this is where I think we find it hard. And we need to be careful that we don't forget this, that in that no bit that we have to point out to people that um this 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 way of well it's it's this that jeremiah two picture my people are drinking from crack cisterns it's not yeah. good for them it's not good for them now it's not good for them eternally so yeah. there has to be what we might call an exposure of idolatry yeah but in a way that still then shows the connection to 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 christ so this, this idea of um, entering into someone's worldview, exploring the, their objects of worship, exposing and then evangelizing becomes important. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's how that that model works. So the book is then just trying to take the examples I used in the first half of the book to say, hey, how does Jesus subversively fulfill? How is there exposure? And how do we evangelize to call people to Christ?
0: we here at the c.s lewis institute are delighted to tell you um, our newly redesigned website has been given an award we're an early winner of the gold award by the dot-com awards uh, agency uh, they uh, hand out very few of these awards for excellence and web creativity and digital communication this year's competition was had entrance from 2,500 entries, or, or even more, designers, developers, content producers. I mean, it was it was amazing, and we are so very grateful that we were given this award. Uh, we thank you uh, for your prayers for this ministry and support for our ministry. This uh, redesign a lot of time, a lot of work, and a lot of money. And we would love for you to be joining us as a financial supporter of our ministry for paying for these kinds of things, and also the great materials that we produce and the events that we do. So please prayerfully consider, if you're not a regular monthly supporter of our ministry, we'd love to have you as a partner in that way. Um, or if it's only uh, uh, occasional gifts, we take those too, but we really need uh, your help. So we hope that you can go to our website, cslewisinstitute.org forward slash give. Thanks. Um, uh, I, I want to keep coming at this from different angles yeah. so that it reinforces because I really want our listeners and, and I want me to be able to really internalize this. So here, here's another thing you say in the book um, that I found so helpful. Well, we don't come as bringing religion to them. We come as those offering answers to questions they are already answering, we're offering in exchange for religious commitments they already have, and we're offering a way to mend a relationship with God they are already in. That that's exactly right. It's it's. We, it's not bringing religion to them. It's answering questions they're already trying to answer in other yeah, th- ways. Yeah, they are already yeah, in a relationship.
1: Yeah, Romans 1 makes it clear. All human beings are already in a relationship with God. It's mm. not a good one. It's very dysfunctional. And like any broken relationship, it's complex. Mm. But we come on um, offering Christ in terms of uh, an existing relationship. Um, and I think that that will be, I suppose, the other thing to point to, Randy, in the book. And I, this has become clear as the book's been published. The book was originally in a set of evangelism and apologetics classes in seminary. But what's more and more become clear to me, and the way I think we can use this material best, is realizing that the first thing we need to do with these magnetic points is apply them to our own hearts.
0: Oh, good. Our, yeah. How
1: evangelism yes. flows from our discipleship. And that gives a sense of Fellow feeling, it's to say with people. Look, we, I, I struggle with all of these questions of destiny and deliverance and the norm. This is how Jesus has answered it in my life and continues to do that every day. Yeah, and I think when, if not to see people, and, and again, you've brought this out in your work so strongly. People aren't projects, or we evangelism isn't a thing that we do. As I am transformed by the gospel, as Jesus is the answer to the magnetic points in my life that gives me a natural opportunity then to say what Jesus has done for me as I'm then answering people who don't know Christ. So this idea that our discipleship, our evangelism comes from our discipleship is really important. And in some ways I'd really want us to be doing that first. How do, how do we, how are we still being pulled away by other Mm. things? How do we stay magnetized to Christ and magnetic and when we do that, that naturally will give opportunities to talk about Jesus because our life is being shaped by him and the gospel every single day.
0: Yes. Yeah. Here's I, I, I'm so glad you went there. Uh, I was going to go there with a, a, a highlight in, in your book. You, you say these five magnetic points, uh, these are the idolatrous longings of our own hearts, yep. not just the hearts of those around us. Yeah. And we can be lured away to think, uh, I'm I'm longing for right and wrong, and I'm and I'm I'm being tempted to think I come up with my own set of right and wrong. I'm the ultimate authority. Yeah. Or or um, yes, I'm I'm struggling, and so I need a deliverance. Um, and to think, deliverance comes from getting drunk. Or getting distracted, or watch, yeah. or binge watching, how many, how many hours yeah. of, 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 whatever kind of entertainment. Yeah. So we want to be able to say to people, yeah, I, I understand that lure, that attraction, because I'm attracted to it too. Exactly. But, but, but here's what God has done yeah. in in providing something far better. And I think uh, that's
1: uh, maybe that's the answer to your question, Randy, as to why naturally I haven't written the evangelistic book. Because if we're doing this properly, it should be that our lives are that evangelistic book. You mm, see what I mean? Okay. And, yeah. And and as we, so I'm 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 not saying that I think that evangelistic book would be helpful. Don't get me wrong. But I think what I'd love us to do is to be able to um, answer these magnetic points in how the gospel has transformed my life. I mean, I'll give one example, you know, I, I, I think I give the example in the book that whenever I used to get a taxi in London, invariably, sometimes it was a, a Muslim driver and there'd be in the, in the the windscreen or the dashboard, there'd be a, an evil eye. And I think to be able to say to people, look, I'm not denying that these evil spirits exist, but I, I believe that I, I have a loving heavenly father I, I I believe in Jesus Christ who is above all of these things. And that's just, and that gives me, that means I don't need to fear. Um, I don't mm. need to be anxious. And so to be able to show in my own life, how the Christian worldview has, sh- is continuing to shape me by God's spirit and how the magnetic points, how I can stay magnetized. And I think, again, at the end of the book, we look about what are the means by which Christians stay magnetized. And in some ways, and I had a pastor friend of mine who said, actually, I was really pleased that your book was an anti-climax because at the end of the day, we stay, <laughs> we stay magnetized by the ordinary means of grace.
0: It's yeah, coming yes.
1: together as God's people. It's word and sacrament. It's all of those things that keeps us magnetized. And then we're sent out into the world to be, to be mini magnets for Christ. Yeah, And I think that that's important in terms of our own discipleship. There's not a magic bullet here. It's we're magnetized because in the week, we know as we go out into our lives, don't we, we're demagnetized, we're being pulled in different directions, mm. but coming together as God's people every week, listening to the word, being with each other, um, mm. and then being remagnetized to be sent out again, that's the kind of the way that the, 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 the we keep that magnetism for Christ.
0: Oh, good, good. This is a good place for us to draw this to a close, although I'd love to keep talking. Um, but, but you do, you you play out that visual picture toward the end of your book of, and I think we can all remember this from whatever grade we were in, in, in chemistry class or something. So there's a magnet, and then there's all these, these metal f- shavings or filings, and they start sticking to the magnet. But then after a while, um there are mag- there are pieces of metal that are now sticking to pieces of metal. They're not yeah. they're not directly touching the magnet.
1: The, yeah. Some
0: pieces are touching the magnet, but some pieces are just touching other pieces. And what a great what a great image. Um yeah. Jesus is the ultimate magnet drawing us to himself and we are connected to him. But if he's making us magnetic, if he's making us more and more like him, yes, then people will be attracted to us. Now, ultimately, you know the illustration breaks down, but because we want to point them and connect them directly yes. to him, yes. But I love that that I love that visual image and. Uh, for me to think of myself, I'm a magnet. I'm, yes, I'm, t- I'm touching the ultimate magnet. The, um, but Lord, would you make exactly. me a magnet so that people would be drawn through me to you? Yeah. Uh, theological problems with just, that, and just, we could no problems. Um, but-
1: just, just very quickly. Um, since the book was published, I had a physic. I did this material. A physics teacher wrote to me to say you can easily push it further because apparently all objects have these little mini magnets inside them that are all in different directions. And you need an outside <laughs> thing to pull it in one direction. And he, he was great because he said, isn't this what we pray for when David prays, Lord, give me an undivided heart.
0: Oh, good. Yes, Often our yes. lives
1: are kind of in minute in, internally in all different directions, but Jesus pulls us into a one line and that's how that that's then how we're remagnetized. So that magnet thing is a rich illustration. Yes, you can go overboard on it, but originally, as you know in the book, that that was a a, a sermon that Spurgeon preached called "The Marvelous Magnet." Yes, and that he that did. You know, we're yeah. magnetized to Christ. Others will be attracted to Him because we're stuck to Him. And so, how do we stay magnetized becomes a very important question.
0: Yes. Oh well, let's draw this to a close. Um, I really hope this has been encouraging for our listeners. Um, uh, Get a hold of Daniel's book, read it, start seeing those uh, magnetic points of connection in conversations that you have with other people. Start looking for their ultimate commitments um, and and have really engaging, uh, uh, common ground building conversations. Um, But then don't be afraid to also subvert and let the gospel subvert so that it can indeed fulfill people this is really great uh dan i really appreciate your work and what you're doing we're gonna we're gonna look for you more and more especially that evangelistic book that maybe you might write perhaps <laughs> Lord willing guilt inspired um so um i will gonna put we're gonna put some show notes uh in our uh podcast um about your materials and your center Uh, To our listeners, thanks so much for listening. We hope that this and all of our resources at that website we have, the cslewisinstitute.org, will be helpful for you as you reach out with the good news of the gospel and you grow in your love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks.